Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property Australia. I'm so glad because John Pigeon is back in the flesh. How are you going, John? Back in the house. Good to be here, Emily. How are you? Very well. I've missed you. I was riding solo for two weeks there, but we're back on deck and um, very excited to have you back. Yeah, glad to be back. I was also riding solo, <laughs> but on a push yeah. bike. <laughs> on a push bike. Indeed, it looked like an enormous feat. I saw a, a bit on your social media, an awesome cause as well. It was, yeah. We raised uh, about 200000 last week, which is amazing. So, yeah, kids' cancer, very good cause. Um, happy to go through four days of heartache for something as, as major as that in people's lives. Yeah, 100%. That's, um, that's awesome. The challenge of it, I'm sure, was well worth it. Mm. I did think I was going to lose my fingers at one stage at the top of Falls Creek. It was that cold. It was 55 kilometre winds and minus eight. Oh my gosh. Bit of frostbite maybe. Bit of frost, yeah. But anyway, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Now we're, we're back in the seat and we're going to kick it off with a bang again because what we want to cover off on today is relatively you know, a market update of what's actually happening in the property market, particularly for our community who are actually in the process of trying to buy something, whether that be an investment or their own home. It's a wild, wild time out there, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. It, it just seems like yesterday that we gave them a market update, but the markets are moving so quickly, aren't they, around the country? And more and more people, as as you would have witnessed, are, are just getting frustrated and, and questioning their strategy and and just wondering whether they should hold out or should they just get in and buy and be done with it. There's, there's so many questions in a, in markets like this. And I think I've said it before, but in, in my time, it's very rare to see every housing market or most housing markets around the country all going bananas at the same time. Very true indeed. So um, for those who this might be their first time listening in to us, um, thanks for doing so. But a bit of context on who we actually are and maybe why why you should or shouldn't listen to us. Um, <laughs> just, I think, you know, the backstory, John, maybe some context on your role within the industry and the market. Yes. Well, I don't want to spend too long on myself, um, but yeah, look, I've always been a, an avid property investor myself and, and I suppose that's brought me to, or started off property coaching and helping others do the same thing and strategizing through their own situation to, to get them to the marketplace time and time again. Um, and, and recently we've uh, extended that to, to a buyer's agent service as well, which helps people uh, find investment properties around the country more so probably than their owner-occupier home, which I know you specialise in in Melbourne. Yeah, so we're basically the flip 
the flip side of each other, aren't we? So I do a lot of first home and family home buying down here in Melbourne. Um, I don't really touch investment purchases as my profession. I personally invest, but not as a profession, whereas you're very investor heavy with clients and, um, and help them choose the right property and the right areas to invest in. Yeah, we we like to think we practice what we preach, and uh, we, we're monitoring a lot of markets around the country. We we focus on definitely the top thirty by population, so that gives us a pretty good spread around the and the country. But um, yeah, interesting to see that most markets we look at, as I mentioned before, are, are humming along pretty well. Most definitely. So from your side of the fence, from the investor side, let's put that hat on for a second. What's been most surprising to you during this first, you know, quarter of 2021? What's sort of taken you by surprise or what are the most notable things that have occurred in those particular markets? Yeah, I want to compartmentalise that if I can. I think Mm. it was going to be, it was pretty obvious to say that Melbourne was going to go bananas after COVID because everyone was... Uh, allowed out and and go and spend their money and and auctions were up and about again and and it, there was just a quiet period there where physically no one could really do anything in Melbourne so that part of it didn't surprise me um, I, I knew through COVID my thoughts were that property wasn't going to let us down but I, I didn't think it would uh, it would grow at the rate that it has done uh, but it just shows you what low interest rates do um, and how much money there is out there around the country and it's a bit of a double whammy because Sydney's moving ahead just as fast as it was three or four years ago and this second and third generation money out there that's quite scary and I'm seeing it here on the central coast and and Newcastle where if someone bought something in Sydney for example in 2010 it's conservatively doubled if not more so there's, there's, uh, there's millionaires being created at a rate of knots in Sydney in the last 10 years. So that gives them a, a lot of um, capacity to go and buy investment properties, whether they do that on their own or on behalf of their kids. Um, and, and that sort of stuff is, is um, happening more and more. And, you know, investors like first-time investors trying to get into the market – which can be very difficult, likewise for first home buyers. But are you seeing people sort of wondering if there's going to be a drop? You know, is now the right time to go forward for something? What are what's sort of some commentary around comments you're hearing from people that are thinking of buying? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of concern about people getting into the market for the first time and how, how the hell do I do it? Do I hold off? Do I just go and get in line and pay 50 grand too much for something and be done with it because it's going to be a long-term hold and it'll take care of itself? Um, so that there's a lot of question mark around all of that. Um, I think the problem with it is with low interest rates and, and people saving money, the, the housing market's growing at that rate, all of a sudden first home buyer markets of no longer five or six hundred thousand, they're a million dollars. So that's not so much a, a, a trouble. Well it is a trouble for a lot of people to get a deposit, but it's more about having a instead of having a five or six hundred K loan, I've now got a million dollar loan. 
and and in some mm. cases that can be another 15 years of of um, paying off their their home so that's where people are really questioning it I think is like do I really want a million dollar mortgage and and what's my alternative if I don't want that Definitely. And that's where I guess we get a large portion of people wanting to be rent vesters because it's more practical in a financial uh, sense, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very challenging time. We're recording this, you know, in sort of mid-April 2021. And just today, there was an article that came out to say that the Melbourne um, market, the median house price has now surpassed a million dollars. But I mean, that's a big step. But what's interesting, what I actually find more interesting is that in 2011, the median was 553,000. Wow. So, so 10 years ago, it was essentially half. It's basically doubled in 10 years, which we always throw around as a rule of thumb, right? Like, oh, you know, relatively it, it doubles every 10 years. This is literally statistically speaking, pretty much doubled in 10 years. And it's just baffling that when you look at the graph, um, there's not too much decline in there overall. When you no. look at it, it it's, it's, you know, gently staggering upwards. And the issue I think that needs to be addressed the most is salaries are not increasing at the same rate. So how do we keep up with this? Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting one. Like a lot of our listeners, probably most of them have, have only seen good property markets, no major downturns. Um, now, generally speaking, yes, property goes up in value. As you've mentioned, every 10 years was always a rule of thumb. I've sort of been saying 12 to 15 years uh, to be conservative. But can you see a million dollar median being a $2 million median in 10 years time? Now, when you're sitting back there in 2011 with a 500, 600K median, you could have said the same thing. And, and that's the interesting thing about it. Um, someone asked me yesterday, how was it when interest rates were six or 7% when you first started investing? And I was like, well, it, that's just what it was. And we mm. just, we, we still bought property and they were still renting and we still covered our costs and, and people got by. So it's a, it's a hard one to explain. I mean, the days of 18% back in the 90s or 80s or whenever they were, I don't think we'll see uh, for a long while, if not ever again. But something needs to happen to the uh, uh, lending policies to actually um, stop this hot run of uh, of growth. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the I think the lending ability has certainly enabled more and more people to envisage the idea of having their own home and realise that, you know, it's basically on par with where they're renting. So they may well buy um, in certain areas where it kind of makes sense, neither here nor there. I guess one's a bit more of a liability than the other. Um, But certainly that's a lot of the commentary I hear is like, oh, we've worked out our mortgage repayments would be only $50 a week more than what we're paying in rent. And, you know, we're working towards paying down a home that we would own. So therefore we're thinking it's a great time to get in. Yeah, that's that's a big one, isn't it? How much does it cost me to rent? 
um, versus what's my mortgage going to be? And, and as you said, like uh, I, I think I did the exercise um, early in the year. It's like an $800,000 mortgage is is uh, is cheaper than paying rent in a lot of places, which is uh, astounding because of the interest rates lows. But essentially, for, for those who haven't been through a hot market like this before, what generally happens is once it peaks out, which maybe two months, six months, two years, I don't know, uh, it, 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 it slows and then the rents start to increase because less people are getting into the market as a buyer. So mm. um, for an investor, that's, that's obviously a good thing. For someone renting, that's not an ideal thing either because not only have they not bought a home, but their rents are also going up. Um, Most definitely. So the other thing I think as a, if I was a, a, a forecaster, I don't think the government or the, the banks will try and restrict first homeowners getting in the market. I think they'll still promote that because it's a really important um, piece of the, the economy for, for the government. But I think who they will restrict is investors. And I can easily see... The, the banks putting a, a ceiling on that for investors and, and investors having to come up with maybe 20% deposit instead of 10% um, or even just allowing or, or lowering their serviceability. So instead of me being able to borrow 500000 I might be able to own a borrow 300000 that's a very valid point. Um, and if you were a forecaster, you know, we'd, we'd look and track that. No, but it, I think it's good to throw out ideas of what, you know, the possibilities are because it's, it makes logical sense, really, in, in the grand scheme of things. It does make a lot of sense. Um, we're going to take a quick break in a moment, but when we come back, we're going to discuss a few things. Number one, the flow-on effects of all this hype and this FOMO in the market. And also, I wouldn't mind sharing something I heard yesterday that I thought was a very interesting way of thinking about property that I think some listeners would get some value from. So we'll be back in one minute. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, John, 
How long do you think this heat has got left in in the market? Because it's a common question that people are asking, like, how long is this going to last for? Will it ever stop? What are your thoughts? doesn't have to be right, but what do you think? Mm. Well, it probably won't be right, but I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I actually was riding with a guy during the week who's um, a, a big player in the real estate industry in, in Melbourne as a real estate agent, owns a, a couple of uh, offices, and he's prime market is probably the million to two and a half million range, which is not necessarily your first home buyer. It's more your your upgrader um, mm. or, or someone that may be cashed up to buy a, a blue chip property for an investment. But he, he was saying that it's he can start to see signs of some sort of slowing already. So okay. The, the numbers that he's seeing at auctions, the number of inquiries that he's seeing on a daily basis have definitely dropped from two months ago, for example. So, yeah, I, it, combine that with winter in Melbourne, might see a little bit of a slowing in the Melbourne market from, from what he was saying. So that, that's his opinion, not mine, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, something's got to stop – or something's got to come in to actually see that change. Um, and, and a lot of people's emotions will come into play here. So if enough people are saying, no, I've had enough of this growth, I'm just going to sit out and, and see how it plays out, then then that can be the catalyst to, to slow the market. So, yeah, and, and to be honest, I'm getting more of that commentary from people um, reaching out to me. So... I could actually see that happening in the next few months, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a fair assumption to make. The The interesting thing that I've heard word on the street or, you know, listening to people at open homes and some commentary more broadly, a lot of people, because quote ranges have been well and truly exceeded in an auction arena particularly, but also in private sale across the nation, a lot of people are going, well, I'm looking at that quote range, let's say it's, you know, six to 660 for a property. And they're thinking, I'm going to have to have at least 700 to even be in the ballpark, probably more like 750 when we get competition behind it. So some people are disregarding those properties in the first instance going, well, we can't afford it. And what I predict will happen is we actually will start seeing things sell where they're quoted because finally the data will start to catch up with um, quoting correctly, making sure the properties are in line with where the value actually sits in this market. And when we start to see a few of them, like there'll be surprise sales. I reckon there'll be people who have saved properties on realestate.com and domain just out of interest, noted down how much they were asking then being like, oh, it only sold for that much. And I've already seen it happen a few times then some confidence might return again. But I think a lot of people are retreating in the meantime going, well, we're not even going to go to that auction or we're not even going to put an offer in because we just know it's going to go well over where we can afford. Yeah, so a little tip to people I think that are that are listening that are in that position is I any client I'm working with at the moment, if we've got even within the range, we're going forward for it just in case. I'd rather go through the process than have it sell for something that I would have paid. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a fair point. Um, and it's interesting you say that. There's probably a couple of months of lag in that, isn't there, where people realise, okay, that's what it's sold for, as you said. Um, now, 
those that data may only be released a month later or something so you've you've got a little bit of lag there so that probably puts you at winter so your your assessment might be similar from what you're seeing in the melbourne market winter is coming winter <laughs> well it was already there at falls creek during the week i can assure you <laughs> um but interestingly enough up this way I was looking for a property in Newcastle for a client a couple of weeks ago and the buyer inquiry range was 480 to 520, mm-hmm. uh, which is affordable. It was going to be a good yield and the agent said, look, we're considering offers at the top end of that range, right? So we went in with uh, that assessment and, and we agreed. Two days later, she rang me and said, uh, your, your offer's no longer relevant. There's a Sydney buyer that's bought it for 600 grand. <gasps> so 80 grand over the asking or, or nearly 20% um, in, mm. in percentages. So like that's uh, just extreme because it's such an affordable price point. So that's the thing to consider. When you mentioned before about the million dollar median house price in Melbourne, uh, who does that include and who does it exclude? Um, does it exclude first home buyers? If the answer that's yes, then that's a, a, a good portion of the market that's um, sitting um, on the sidelines. Well, that's the thing, right? People going for these seemingly affordable options that are, you know, low fours, early fives. We had one recently. Um, I was so sure I was going to win this auction. Like I didn't even, you know, flinch. I was like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. Walked on in. It was quoted um, 580 to 6.20. Um, I had a buyer who had a very large deposit. So looking at the loan to value ratio, they're prepared to put a bit of an emotional price tag in to make sure they got this place. So actually I valued the property up to 680. I thought that's where it's at. Probably should have been a bit higher. We went, we had a maximum of 720. So I was very confident, 100K over the range at an auction at that price point that I was going to walk away and put the sold sticker on the board. Well, I was very, very wrong. I was left with a very... um, sour face and uh, actually someone bought it for 775. Wow. So 150 yep. over. Yep. Yeah. So um, now something to touch on there, that property was a ground floor apartment, which historically ground floor apartments versus a level one with a good balcony haven't actually had too much of a price variance overall. Like it's been a little bit, but not significant. What we're seeing, and I would say this is across the board, um, especially post COVID, is the outdoor space is now actually very valuable to a lot of people. And we're starting to see ground floor apartments on par with a villa unit. Now, a villa unit means a a lot of different things to different people. The way I interpret a villa unit is like one of four or five on the block. They're all single level, usually a brick block, about the same square meterage as a ground floor apartment. And that's really shocked me. That's one thing I've noticed in the market that's taken me by surprise. Ground floor apartments are the same price as a villa unit. Historically, villas have actually been seen to have more value in them. But now people are seeing them as the same. Yeah. And would you say that like – young couples with with a baby for example that don't want to have to go up floors getting groceries into the into the kitchen that those sort of things make a difference now uh, not not because of covid but just generally speaking uh, it's just uh, people want to make things easier in life oh definitely i also think a trend uh is dogs a lot of people have have uh 
put some money behind having a, a pet, a fairy friend, and uh, having a dog in the courtyard is actually a, a big driver for them as well on being on ground level. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so interesting times for the property market. But uh, look, we, we haven't got all the answers, but we, we've got an assessment of what's happening on the ground at the moment ar- around the country. And and as as you know, I've just finished a, a property tour around New South Wales and, and the general consensus was the same in most areas that I went, especially for houses, units and apartments, a little bit different and, and definitely not as popular in regional centres anyway. But uh, the, all the locals, and I tried to get out on my bike with as many locals as I could each time and just talk to people on the ground and the consensus was the same everywhere. It's like uh, the, the housing market's going bananas. And, and I didn't come from the point of view of who I am, like as a, a property investor or just a, a guy riding a bike asking about what they're seeing. So there was no hidden agendas anywhere from them. So it was really clear to see that, um, yeah, they everywhere we go, they're, they're wowed with how busy the markets are. Definitely, it's a great way to do it. You know, be neutral and get it get in with the, the locals. I love it. That's a very good approach. Yeah. Um, it would be great to hear from listeners. You know what they're experiencing in their area as well. Um, we'll put in the show notes where you can write in as well. We'd love to just hear, you know, some results. I know. I've been somewhat diligent on Instagram every Saturday getting people to write in with auction results and just getting a bit more of a sense of the market. So that's one avenue. But both of us, John and I, would love to hear what you're seeing as well. Um, It helps us get a full round of view of the market um, and hear what our listeners are actually up to, you know, outside of listening to us. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And it's a big mindset thing, isn't it? Like some are out there just trying to kill it, um, getting a – a view of the market and just uh, getting in at the price that they're comfortable with and getting on with their life where others are, are really skeptical and worried and and I think the key in it all is who you're surrounding yourself with so just um, making sure you get a, a level-headed approach to it all. Definitely don't get too swept up in it at all and make sure you seek the right people to help you out in what is probably a very, very big life decision. Um, yeah, everyone's on a different path. Everyone's got different goals and you just stick in your lane. Yeah, yeah that's right. Stick in your lane. I like that one. Stick in your lane on your bike, John. Yeah. <laughs> don't curve in front of a, a car because it could hurt. Definitely. Well, um, hopefully that's given some insight today as to the market in general in a broad sense. Appreciate you guys tuning in and and having a bit of a listen and we'd love to hear what's happening in your region because people do listen from all over Australia. Um, So please do let us know. And uh, anything else you would like answered on the podcast, jump in the old Facebook group. So the My Millennial Money Facebook group um, is where John and I keep tabs on things. People ask and tag us in there and we do our very best to answer those questions and give you a shout out where we can. So feel free to do that as well. Yeah, one thing I'd say, I, I like to understand where people are coming from. So if it's Emily from Melbourne or John from the Central Coast or mm. Billy from Toowoomba, like tell us where you're from and, and a little bit of backstory if you're asking a question because I think it, it it paints a bit of a picture for us to go a bit deeper with. 100%. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for sharing, John. Appreciate your side of the fence as well to know what's happening, and good good to have you back. Good oh, to have good to have my fellow buddy back. It's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, see you guys. Thanks, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.